Listen, there's coming a day when God's going to look at your faithfulness. You can come and have a very casual relationship with the Lord. And I know some people come and they say the sermons are too long. Yeah. I want to weed it out. I want to find out who's serious. I'm not here to give you sermonettes. Sermonettes are for Christianettes. I preach an hour, sometimes longer. (laughs) Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy. Dr. Brogy is the senior pastor at Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. In our study of the Revelation, we have worked our way through the rapture of the church, a seven-year period of tribulation marked by multiple judgments from God, the rise of the Antichrist, and a one-world religion followed by a one-world government that comes against the nation Israel. And now, in chapter 20, we've begun a look at the fall of Satan and his minions. Let's rejoin Dr. Brogy as he presents a message entitled, A Prophecy Involving Saints. Take God's Word with you this morning, Revelation chapter 20, as we continue our verse-by-verse exposition of this great book. The Bible is clear that the next great event on God's prophetic calendar, it's called the rapture, when all the true believers of God are immediately in the twinkling of an eye. That's faster than you can blink your eye. All the true believers will be removed from the earth. And then what will begin to unfold is a time that is unparalleled in the history of man. And we've been studying that in Revelation chapters 6 through 18. Jesus said, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Now, Christ is never given to exaggeration. He is truth incarnate, and he said you can take all the wars, all the murders, all the holocausts, all the shootings, all the famines, all the diseases, all the earthquakes, all the tsunamis, and put them all together, and it doesn't even begin to match the time frame that is in front of us. Now, when we started back in Revelation 6 all the way until the second coming in chapter 19, we were given a vision from God's Word of unspeakable horror. But in the four messages I preached on chapter 19, we learned a day when everything is going to change upon the earth. And one of the truths that God's American church needs to hear is Bible prophecy. It is neglected in our day. People virtually every single week write me or tell me to say, my pastor never teaches on Bible prophecy. Listen, my friend, Bible prophecy is important. One-third of the Scriptures is prophetic, and if we are commanded to teach the whole counsel of Scripture, you cannot ignore it. And so John has been giving us a vision of what is going to happen in the future. God said through the prophet Isaiah, "'For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish my good pleasure. God wants you to know the future. He wants you to know it, not so that you will be scared, but that you might be prepared. And so that's why we're studying right now the Revelation. Now, last time, we looked at just three verses, verses one through three. Today, we're going to look at verses four through six. But let's get a running start into the context. Revelation 20, now beginning in verse 1. 
Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Now, let me bring you into the context. I know this is a difficult chapter of Scripture, and some of you told me last week that the theology was so thick, they were still trying to sort it out. Well, this is the meat of the word. And at some point, we need to graduate from milk and move on to meat. And don't worry if you don't understand everything that I say. When I preach a sermon, it's like a math teacher teaching math. He has to teach numbers to some, addition to others, multiplication, algebra, geometry, trigonometry, calculus, but each segment of math builds on the next. So when I preach a sermon, I'm teaching some people who are brand new to the Bible their numbers, and there's something here for you if you're new to the Bible. And then there are some who have walked with Christ for decades, and there's something here for you as well. Now, being a Christian for decades doesn't automatically mean you're mature. There are a lot of Christians who stay baby Christians for decades. But the way you grow is you learn the Word of God. And I'm not here to share my opinion this morning, but I am here to preach God's Word. So let me bring you into the context. Christ is going to come back. First, He comes for the church. He catches us up into the air. But then at the second coming, after He's come for His saints, He will come back with His saints. He will come to the earth. And when He comes to the earth, the Bible teaches God will remove every unbeliever from the planet, and He will begin to rule for a thousand years. But before Christ can set up His kingdom, He has to deal with the devil. And so if you were here last time, we discussed the prophetic section and the first three verses. There were three dimensions to that prophecy concerning Satan. The period of time in which he would be bound. Secondly, the place in which he would be bound. And then third, the purpose for which he would be bound, that is, that he would be unable to deceive the nations for a thousand years. Now we come to verses four through six, and it's a prophecy concerning the saints. And once again, there's three aspects to this prophecy that God would have us to take away this morning. Number one, there on your note-taking outline. First, the saints and their crowning. In verse 4, he describes the saints and their crowning. Then I saw thrones, and they, circle the word they in your Bible, they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. Now again, who are these people sitting on thrones for a thousand years? Again, the uh, millennialists who has to allegorize Scripture, they come up with all kinds of meanings to prophecy because they don't know what it says, and they make up things. They say, well, this must be angels. It's not angels. 
Hebrews 2 verse 5 says, for he did not subject to angels the world to come. That is to say, angels are not given authority to judge the world and the future world. So who are these they? Well, it's an expanded they from other scripture. I'm going to tell you specifically as it relates to this verse, but there's two other categories put out in the margin next to verse uh, 4. First, Matthew 19 and verse 28. Matthew 19 and verse 28. Jesus made a promise to the 12 apostles. Let me read it to you. Truly, I say to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration, he's talking to the 12 apostles, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus promised the 12 apostles during the regeneration. The regeneration is the thousand-year reign on Christ. And, and just like when you're saved, you are regenerated by the Spirit, the world is going to be regenerated for a thousand years. Even the planet itself will be different. Men will live for a thousand years. The baby will play next to the cobra's nest and not be harmed. And during the regeneration, the apostles are going to have a unique, special role of leadership. But not just them. You and I will. Do you remember when we studied the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3? He spoke to the church at Thyatira in chapter 2. Jot down this verse. Revelation 2, Revelation 2, 26 and 27. Let me read it to you. Jesus said, He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. He's writing to a church where they too are going to have authority over the nations. Here are the Gentile nations of the world. Now understand, he who overcomes. Let me just say parenthetically while we're here, you're not saved by overcoming. You're not saved by your perseverance. Yet Jesus can say he who perseveres to the end will be saved. And here he can say, he overcomes, describing true believers, they're going to rule with him during this thousand-year reign. If you are born again, you will overcome, you will persevere. And so the press, as many of you know, has had a field day in the last two weeks. It's been on Fox, CNN, Drudge Report, all these major news networks of this Christian leader who apostatized from the faith. After, of course, he made several million dollars selling his books to us. But I warned people a decade ago not to go to that church because he was not qualified to be a pastor. And now he has totally renounced the faith of the Lord Jesus. He was not an overcomer. You say he lost his salvation. You cannot lose something that's eternal. He that believes has eternal life. The Bible would say he was never saved, for if he had been of us, he would have remained with us. But the fact that he went out from us shows that he was never really of us. 1 John 2.19, if you have it, you can't lose it. If you, quote, unquote, lost it, you never had it to begin with. But Jesus is speaking to those who persevere, who are born again, who are overcomers, that they will rule and reign with him. So then he will say in the next verse, Revelation 2, 27, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my father. Now that's an interesting verse because as you see the change of typeset, you know it's an Old Testament quotation and it comes from Psalm 2 and it's a promise the father makes to God the son. 
Yet Jesus takes that promise and he applies it to the church at Thyatira and by extension, every born again Christian. Why? Because we're going to rule with him. 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Or Revelation 5, verse 10, we studied it. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Or here in Revelation 20 and verse 4, and they came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. It can't be angels, but the amillennialist, he just has to twist and turn and butcher Scripture. Paul said this concerning angels. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? If you know the passage, the Corinthians were carnal and out of fellowship. And some of the Corinthians were taking their brothers to court and suing them. And Paul says that is a rotten testimony bringing a fellow believer before a pagan judge into a court of law. He said, don't you know someday you're going to judge angels? If you're going to judge angels, then there must be someone amongst you who can solve the disputes between two people. So here's a chart of the events that are happening. Let me give you a visual. Right now, Christ is building his church. The church did not exist in the Old Testament. Christ spoke of it in a futuristic way. I will build my church in Matthew 16. Right now, he's building the church. The next event, the first era, is called the rapture. The word rapto or rapture, the verb, means to be caught up in the Latin translation of the Bible. It's the catching up of the church. Every Christian believes in the rapture. Some say, oh, the rapture is not found in the Bible. Neither is the word trinity. The next event is we are caught up, a seven-year period that is very dark. You think these are dark days. You haven't seen anything yet. You can take the evil that is beginning to spread across this planet, and you can multiply it 10,000 times, 10,000 times, and you have this seven-year period. At the end of the seven years, Jesus will come back to the earth. First, he comes for his saints. We meet the Lord in the air. Then he comes back with his saints. His feet are planted on the Mount of Olives. He keeps the promises he made of a coming kingdom. He will rule and reign for a thousand years. During that thousand years, Satan is bound. And then the final resurrection takes place where all the lost are brought before God and the eternal state begins. We're coming to that. But look right now on the dark period, this seven-year period. While this seven-year period is unfolding on earth, the church has been taken into heaven. And what takes place while we're in heaven is called the judgment seat of Christ. The apostle Paul said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We, he includes himself as a believer, so that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in his body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. There's a judgment for Christians. It's not to see if you get into heaven. Listen, the last breath you take on earth, it's a done deal. You are either in heaven or in hell. And you cannot change that, Jesus said. It is a fixed time frame forever. 
This is a judgment that takes place in heaven, and it concerns believers. You are saved not by works, but by grace. But once you are saved by the grace of God, God will sometime examine your life, and He will evaluate how you lived as a born-again Christian, and He will reward you accordingly. Do you remember um, Romans 14, 12? So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Once you're saved, you can't be unsaved. Once you are born physically, you can't be unborn physically. Once you are born again spiritually, you can't be unborn spiritually. This is a judgment of your service for Jesus Christ. Jesus told a parable and he said to them, well done, good slave. Because you've been faithful in a very little thing, you will be in authority over 10 cities. Do you remember how he introduced that parable? Let me read it to you. It's not a slide. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. Now, if you know the parable, Jesus is the master. He has gone for a period of time, but he's coming back. And he's going to have his people be evaluated. And so he said to two of the faithful believing slaves, to one well done good slave, because you've been faithful in a very little thing, you will be in authority over 10 cities. The second came up to Jesus, and he said, your mind and master has made five miners. He said to him, and you are to be over five cities. But then if you remember the parable, there was the unfaithful, unbelieving, lost man who thought that because his master was so mighty that he didn't need, the master didn't need any of his help. Well, the issue is not that the master needs his help. We need to help him. We need to be a part of his work. And so he's, he's focusing on saved people to encourage us to be a part of the coming kingdom. Listen, there's coming a day when God's going to look at your faithfulness. You can come and have a very casual relationship with the Lord. And I know some people come and they say the sermons are too long. Yeah, I want to weed it out. I want to find out who's serious. I'm not here to give you sermonettes. Sermonettes are for Christianettes. I preach an hour, sometimes longer, <laughs> but usually an hour. And, and I don't drag you back on Sunday night for another sermon. And if you're serious, you should have a heart to hear the Word of God because the Word of God is going to shape your life. And in the end, it's not how famous you are or how much fortune you've amassed. In the end, it's an issue of faithfulness. You see, we measure people, oh, he's, he's a big shot, you know. Everybody knows him. Look at all the stuff he's got. Two houses, boats, everything. It's not an issue of fame or fortune. It's an issue of faithfulness. And there will be people in the kingdom of God whose name you have never, ever, ever heard who will receive some of the greatest rewards for Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be first. So what I'm wanting you to see is there's a coming kingdom and God is going to evaluate his people and he's going to reward them accordingly. Look again in your text, verse four. I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given to them. 
So who's the they? Well, from other texts, we know the apostles. From other texts, we know the body of Christ. But in this passage, the they are tribulation saints. Let's keep reading. I saw the souls of those who've been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast, the antichrist, or his image and had not received the mark, the 666 on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Who are these people? These are people who are saved after the rapture of the church. People who have never heard the gospel before. And men and women and boys and girls will have a choice to make. You either follow Jesus or you follow Antichrist. And those who follow the one world leader, they'll receive his mark 666, of which you will be able to buy or sell nothing without it. But those who choose not to follow the Antichrist, most of them, the text says, are beheaded. They have been beheaded. Now, this group is going to reign with Christ, and we will too, as will the apostles. But there's another group who will not reign. Look at verse 5. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. The only people who are going to reign with Jesus are those people who are a part of the first resurrection. And the Bible is clear that included in the first resurrection are Old Testament saints, church saints, tribulation saints. In fact, again, let me give you a chart. Here's a chart of amillennialism. They say right now we're in the church age. Jesus, he's not going to literally reign on the earth. He's just reigning from heaven. Well, he is reigning from heaven. God is sovereign. But that doesn't dismiss or extinguish his literal reign on the earth. Tribulation, not a literal seven years. It's just, you know, there's heartache in life. Of course there is, but that's not the tribulation period. And then they say in the end, all of the lost, all the saved will all be brought together, one big judgment, and then we'll enter into eternity. Well, that is sad, but that's not the picture God gives us. Let's talk about the first resurrection. Here is a chart that will help you to see it clearly. Who's included in the first resurrection? In stage one, it was first the Lord Jesus, Matthew 27. He was the first fruits. He was the first one to come out of the grave. Now, there were other people who were raised to life in the Bible only to die again, like Lazarus and Elijah and Elisha and raised some folks. But the first one ever to come out of the grave in a resurrection body was Jesus. And then there's that often overlooked verse. Let me read it to you. The tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep or died were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Can you imagine? Jesus comes out of the grave, and after his resurrection, there's a number, select number of Old Testament saints who come out of the grave. Can you imagine meeting them in Jerusalem, walking around, yeah, I'm Abraham or whatever. I don't know who they were, but a select number. And that's exactly in fitting with the typology of first fruits in the Old Testament. They're in the first resurrection. Stage two of the first resurrection. 1 Thessalonians 4, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and those of us who remain shall be caught up. The dead come out of the grave. Jesus brings back from heaven departed spirits, reunites them with the body in the grave. The first to come out are those who've been buried, and those of us who are alive, we meet them in the air. That's stage two, all part of the first resurrection. He's not done yet. There's a third phase to it. Bring it up, would you? Phase three is 
the Old Testament believers and the tribulation saints who are raised. There are certain Old Testament believers that God will bring out of the grave. Let me read to you from Daniel chapter 12. Now at that time, Michael, you know him, the archangel, the great prince who stands over the sons of your people will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as has never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. He's describing two types of people who lived in the Old Testament era, those who were saved, those who were lost, two kinds of resurrections. Jesus said it this way, do not marvel at this, an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Those who came forth will come forth. Those who did the good or the good deeds, you could say, proving they were born again to a resurrection of life. Those who committed the evil or evil deeds, you could say, to a resurrection of judgment. Two kinds of resurrections a resurrection of everlasting life, and a resurrection of everlasting contempt. And both will need resurrection bodies. You need a body to walk on streets of gold, and they will need a body to live in hell that is never extinguished. Now, the schematic is given here in the Revelation. It is unfolding for us. And so we're going to learn later in this chapter that just as there's a second death, the first death is when if, if you drop dead in that pew today, that's your first death. But if you don't know Jesus is your Savior, you're going to experience the second death. Well, even so, there's the first resurrection, and there's the second resurrection. You want to be a part of the first resurrection because the only people who are included in the first resurrection are believers. And he's describing them here. They came to life, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Just like in the first death, not everybody dies at once, but they've been dying for 6,000 years. Even so, in the first resurrection, not everyone will be raised at the same time. There's a series of resurrections that are all part of the first resurrection program. And so, God separates the two by a thousand years. He says, and this is important, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. So, think your way through this. There's these who are going to rule with Christ, the apostles, church saints, Tribulation saints, Old Testament saints. And in the first resurrection are those same four groups of people. That's a look at the saints and God's crowning. And when we complete our message, A Prophecy Involving Saints, tomorrow, Dr. Berge will look at the saints and their character. Admittedly, the book of Revelation is one of the most challenging books of the New Testament because of its vast prophetic content. So you may need to listen to some of these messages a couple of times to fully grasp what is being taught. To help you in that respect, we offer the Search the Scriptures app for mobile devices, as well as the Search the Scriptures website at searchthescriptures.org for desktop or laptop viewing using a web browser. All of Dr. Brogy's messages are available, including messages from the Old Testament book of Daniel, which dovetails with the Revelation. You can also order any or all of Dr. Berge's messages on CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478. Today's program is number REV58. 
As the COVID vaccine begins to roll out around the world, it's looking better and better for international travel. As such, we're making plans for two trips to Israel in late September 2021 and in early October. Right now, we're just in the early stages, but if you'd like to be kept informed about developments, register online at searchthescriptures.org Israel. The Bible comes alive for those who attend the Search the Scriptures trip to Israel as Dr. Brogy gives insight into the many locations throughout the Middle East. Again, the site to sign up for more information is searchthescriptures.org Israel. Tomorrow, the conclusion of a prophecy involving saints. Join us then as we search the scriptures.